Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones, and this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. You know, I realized I was listening to our uh, last week's podcast on uh, Rick Warren and church planning. And I realized I left in that little clip at the beginning where we were talking about your hummus that you had on your finger. And then you're like, should we re-record this? Yeah, we should re-record this. And then we started all over again. I left that whole thing in there. Yeah, but you know what? Like when I listen to like rock bands and stuff and they do that stuff where they've got like the practice set. And then they go, oh, okay, let's do it over. And they leave in like the one that they flubbed up. That's like, that's just rock and roll. So all you were doing was rock and roll. Well, and we do screw up enough. So, you know. Yeah. You know, I was on a podcast today and the guy said, you know, I've been listening to your uh, church planner podcast and he invited me on as a guest. And he goes, I, he's just starting out and he goes, I love your guy's style. He goes, you did mention your Beavis and Butthead, but he goes, just to like, kind of like, let's just roll with anything. He goes, that works for me, man. So, uh, hey, we're inspiring other guys who have no clue what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, we're going to be going to uh, the centralized conference coming up here in January in Costa Mesa. And uh, you're going to be speaking at that one, too, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be speaking about Church Zero. Cha-ching! <laughs> <laughs> Available at Amazon.com and everywhere books are sold. Located nearby at a family Christian store near you and Amazon.com and Barnes & Noble. Are there even more Christian stores around anymore? Like, they've, yeah. they've all closed around here. Yeah, but you got to hunt for it. You know, my my book is in a really lame section. Like when you first walk in, there's this table with books that say our favorite. I thought That's I was going to say bargain. That's where my book should be. That's where it should be. Your book is on. You know? is in the bargain bin. <laughs> no, I I went I went around like the back aisle, and it's like because it's categorized in like you know church leadership or something like that. I don't even know. What um, I love is how every time we go to a conference where your publisher is there and they've got like 
boxes of your books. You're like, hey, uh, can I get a box of those? <laughs> <laughs> like you're always feeling out your publisher to get some free books. They're listening. They're listening. <laughs> They're always listening. You're like, that's it's, how I make self-publish. Everybody self-publish. They've got me. <laughs> So uh, you know this this is podcast number nineteen. Oh, that's right. I forgot to say what number we were at. Yeah, baby. Yeah, it, it reminds me of that that old song. Then 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 nineteen nineteen. Remember that one? No. The average age of the Vietnam vet was nineteen. Then 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 you know. Before no, seriously. I mean, you got to understand. I grew up in a family that was was just. I couldn't listen to the radio before I was in high school. Pete, you were practically homeschooled. I practically was. <laughs> I had all the punishment, the crime and punishment of being homeschooled. But they still made you go to public school. No, I only went to public school one year. Oh, awesome, dude. I didn't know that. Yeah. No, I went to That's uh, cool. Now, why do you think I ended up so so twisted, man? I I I, I grew up Christian. No, oh, wait, that sounded bad. <laughs> <laughs> Raise up your Pete in the way of the Lord, and he will return to it. And hey, lo and behold, he did. There you go. Here's the deal. Um, we're going to be talking today about, uh, what are we talking about again, Pete? No, we're going to be talking today about, uh, and this is kind of the cool part. I know most of you listening, you're like, oh, get through all that character stuff. My character sucks anyways. No, we're going to actually get into the nitty gritty. This is kind of like your your core team development, um, your support. How do I raise support? Um you know, and Jesus said it this way. He said, nobody builds a house unless he knows he can finish it. No king goes to battle without first assessing whether or not he has the troops to guarantee a win. So, you know, what we're looking at right now is, you know, your planning, your preparation. That's what Jesus is saying. So there's a couple questions that you need to ask, particularly after, you know, you, you've been recruited into his army, so you know your calling. You've been through boot camp. You've got your character right. But now Mission Control has called you, and your numbers come up for a draft to go to the front lines. Now you need to raid the stores, the quartermaster. You need to hit the weapons, ammunition rack, the rations, uh, diesel fuel, and you're going to need your troops. So... There's three questions that you're going to need to start asking yourself before you jump out of the airplane. Number one, who's sending me? Number two, who's supplying me? And number three, who's going with me? And over the next few weeks, we're going to unpack that. Hmm. So if if we talk about your sending pastor, um, I, I I've been really fortunate. I've I've had the same sending pastor. Um, my my whole uh time as a missionary and as a church planner. And he stayed at headquarters, you know, I, I call it the mothership, and he sent me out like, you know, if they were the Death Star, I'd be a TIE fighter, right? I went out um, you know, into the into the deep fathoms of space and, you know, did all the stuff I had to do. Um, but I always have a place to come back to. I always have a dock that I can go back to. And so, you know, here I am. I'm able to uh, uh, go back and talk with with my sinning pastor. And a, a lot of church planners, they don't get along with their sinning pastor. And so I want to kind of... Uh, That's an interesting, it, by the way, um, problem to have. It just seems very... Like uh, on the surface of it, it seems like unchristian. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I suppose it's kind of like being a teenager. You know, you're kind of like... Uh, 
you know, Uncle Luke and you're, you're like, Oh, you know, I was going to go into Tashi station, pick up some power converters. You know, you're, you're kind of like this punky kid. You want to go out there and conquer the world and Uncle Owen and Aunt Brew. Is this like Star Wars day or something? It's always <laughs> Star Wars day with you. I was going to say, I, I'm just busting them out like it's, you know, May the 4th. That's Star Wars Day, by the way, if you didn't know. May the 4th be with you. And by the way, Jimbo, since apparently you listened to this podcast, um, Star Wars was a great movie, and you still should watch it. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm ashamed to say that one of our uh, church planners in training uh, has never, ever watched Star Wars. And so that's part of his uh, development as a church planner. He actually doesn't get ordained until he watches that, right? Isn't that kind of the... Yeah, absolutely. That's been holding him up for a while. He's, <laughs> he's trying to, uh, <laughs> but, but the, uh, no, I, I suppose it's, it's kind of like, you know, the, um, you know, uncle, uncle Owen and aunt Brew holding him back, you know, um, you know, he's, uh, you know, it's like when you're a teenage kid, you know, you, your father tells you to do something, you don't want to do it. And there, there are those dynamics with your sending pastor. I mean, we, we just got to be real about it. But, uh, some guys have a great relationship with their sending pastor. My sending pastor is like my dad. Um, it's been an honor to serve with him. I was, before I got sent out though, I was a punk. Um, I did not appreciate him. I served with him for two years. He should have fired my butt right away. And he didn't. He was long suffering. And why do you, you think? Know, when you say he should have fired you for what? Oh gosh! I mean, you know, he he knew who I was. First off, he knew my junk. I was young. I was arrogant. I was punky. I thought I knew everything. Um, you know, because you you've been that. preaching there at the church before he showed up, right? I you I were was the interim, the interim pastor. pastor. Yeah. Because as as I always like to say, you turn the church over to him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, ouch. Okay. Well, when people people who know that pastor and know you, they understand the humor in that because there's no way you were the one that turned it over to him. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, the the reality is he's a guy, you know, I I respect so much. I want to be like him. And and that's not – I, I got my missional And he's heart a hardcore missionary. I mean, like, well, that's it. His whole thing was I don't want to go to this Huntington Beach church, but if I do have to go, God, then we're sending people out. That was it. He was a missionary, and he also led um, the, at that time, he was at Skip Heisig's church. At that time, that was the fastest growing church in America. And he led, he headed up and led, it, uh, led the uh, school missions there. And he was launching people out all over. I I got my missional heart from him. He used to knock on my door and be like, "Hey, Peyton, what are you doing?" I'm reading, you know. And he's like, "Hey, get out there, change the world, man." And and I did not have his heart to this day. Um, I still would say it's funny because he he talks about you know how I'm radical in this. I'm just younger, you know. Um, but the reality is, I still don't think I have his heart, and you know that. He he's just a dude that when you see him and you see his heart for people and his heart for missions, I, I you know I just it's good to have your heroes, man, and he's one of mine. So I am very fortunate. But when when I uh, was with him, I didn't appreciate, and I think a lot of church planners are in that place where they don't appreciate the person that God has put um, in front of them. And and maybe your sending pastor doesn't really understand or get you, because after all, God's called him to be a sender. He's called you to be a goer. And the two well, of you are not wired the same. What about, though, if 
the sending pastor doesn't know that he's supposed to be a sending pastor. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I often broker the deal. And what I mean by that is I sit down with, and you know, and over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about those three questions. Today, we're going to talk about who's sending me. And, you know, I, I often broker the deal in New Breed when I'm, when I'm training guys or mentoring guys, they come into the network. Um, one of the things that they get from that is I talk to their pastor for them, not, not instead of them. But in addition to them having a heart to heart, um, I also am able to set up meetings where we're able to talk and I kind of broker the deal because the, uh, sending pastor often doesn't realize how cool it is that he gets to say, you know, we're sending out a church plant. I mean, that's, that's rock and roll right there. And so, but see, and I think, re- a, yeah, and I, I would agree with that because I think a lot of pastors, um, don't understand why you would even want to do a church plant. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you're able to say, hey, we launched out this many churches, that's just stinking cool. You know, it shows it that you are a missions minded. You're, you're, you're a church that is going to endure. You're a church that doesn't exist for itself because an insular church is a dying church. An outward focused church is an exciting, dynamic and growing church. And so, you know, it's like with us, Pete, like at Refuge Long Beach. Right now, we're only two years old, and we're sending out our first church plant. Um, it's it's already gone. The core team's already out. And that that started under our two-year mark of our launch. So, um, You know what's also a- interesting about that, though? Because, like, our church, I, I don't even know how many people go there on an average week. Uh, I would say it's probably in the vicinity of 30 to 50. I mean, it kind of depends on the week. That's just my take on it. Um, you'd probably have a better idea of that because, of course, all pastors of church plants count everybody, including the birds oh, and the dogs. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like I, I think back on uh, my father's church when I was growing up, right? He's a pastor. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember our church was always a small church, you know, 100 people at, at probably its height, maybe 150 um, and I remember it being around the 50 to 70 person mark a lot. So when you've got a small church and you're sending people out, I, I know the thought that has to go through the mind of every pastor. Yes, we are supposed to be sending people out, but what's going to happen to the tithe? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, that is kind of, it, it's a mislaid priority. I mean, you're only thinking about the tithe because you're thinking about your own support. And Jesus said, unless a tree is willing to fall to the ground and die, it won't bear fruit. So there's always, you know, it was kind of like um, Peter Marshall, famous uh, U.S. Senate chaplain of, of yesteryear. Uh, he once said, you know, um, death is is necessary for uh life to continue and he went on to say that's why jesus um basically used death as an illustration of of his kingdom uh when when paul uh talks about the soldier um the gospel minister frontline gospel minister is a soldier you as a soldier doesn't think about his own life he thinks about the assignment the mission what he's got to do um and the acorn doesn't think about self-preservation an acorn thinks i have to go into the ground like jesus said die so that you know um i can become something better something that grows and often guys that's that's why i'm big on that 
in this podcast because young young church planners have um, very skewed ideas of what it means to church plan. Case in point, I went to something yesterday and I sat down uh, a, a conference and then I was invited to this uh, kind of like speaker's dinner um, afterwards. And I was sitting down uh, next to one of the guys um, at the at the thing, and he mentioned that his their one goal in their church plan. I'm not, I'm not picking on him, but I just noticed something with the young generation. Um, I go to all these conferences, and everybody's talking about how to run it like a business, and everybody's talking about you know the leadership approach and this and that. Nobody's talking about the Holy Spirit. Nobody's talking about this and that. They're all talking about facts and figures and data and everything is very reason heavy. And, and, and that's cool and all, but I ain't never seen reason heal someone of cancer. I ain't never seen, you know, reason, uh, heal a drug addict of an addiction to crack cocaine. But I've seen the Holy Spirit do all these things. You know, our, our church plant is intentionally, uh, not gone for size. So that we can focus on the people in this neighborhood. You know, we've talked about how grotty our church is. So for us, success is not measured in numbers. We could do the numbers thing. Doing the number things is really easy. But I, I was just sitting next to these young guys, right? And not picking on him, but they, they, he, he said his one goal was he said, I heard a statistic that said, if you don't push past 200 in your first two years, um, statistically, the chances of doing that are very slim. You, in fact, the church will just continue to shrink. That's hmm. not been my experience. And I wanted to say, well, um, why don't you try that out in Europe? That was my, my first thing that jumped into my mind and I, I shut my mouth. And then the second thing that jumped into my mouth, uh, into my mind was, um, well, why would you need to grow your church over 200? And so I, my response ended up being, well, you know, I'd rather have 10 churches of a hundred than one church of a thousand. And, um, what did he say to that? Well, you know, it's kind of like after, after a few minutes talking, it was obvious I was the kid who smelled, right? That they were going to make sit in the hall. But I mean, they were cool guys. But that could have been wrong. because you smelled. I, I, I understand. <laughs> well, it, there could have been other reasons, which I won't go into, but the, the, the reality is I, I felt, I felt for this young guy, like, you know, man, like, gosh, you know, like, like somebody told you or you made an assumption that that's the goal. And to me, that's just never been the goal. It, it, it doesn't matter to me. Like I don't have to bust my brains out to get more than 200 people in the room so that I'm a slave to this statistic that, Oh no, you know, if I don't reach it, my church will shrink, you know, and, and, and so for me, um, it's just never been what I see in the scripture God telling us to do. And for me, what I would rather do is maybe my church will take a few years. Like I have no doubt that my church will, will, if I wanted, you know, grow up to 200, not because I want it, but I, I just believe that eventually what we're going to be doing is reaching enough lost people. I mean, you and I were talking today about starting up a, an MMA gym in the neighborhood and we're just like, dude, the church would explode. But it wouldn't be your typical church. You know, we would have some, some rough kids that would be pulled out of gangs or, you know, or not uh, even they, pulled out of gangs. They're still in the game. Exactly. And, but this, this would be radical and it would be huge for our neighborhood. 
Um, and so we were just talking about that today. And, and this is the way that we do church. To us, it's not about, you know, the, the statistical formula about, you know, get, you know, you got to have a good teacher. You got to have good child care. You got to have, um, a, a youth work. And if you have those three things, you know, nothing can stop your church from growing. That's, that's the kind of stuff you hear at these conferences. And I, there's too much of a prophet in me that just stands up and says, what about God, man? I'm just tired of doing church without God. And so, you know, I'm not saying you, 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 you know, these guys were doing it without God. I'm not saying that at all, but sometimes it's what we're not saying that is more incriminating than what we're actually saying. And because I'm not hearing the Holy Spirit reference at all, um, I'm just tired of going to meetings that are all about like the business approach, um, to churches. I don't like going to conferences where I hear guys who 20, 30 years ago stepped out in faith and they're telling the stories from 20, 30 years ago. And their most recent story is, you know, look, I have 400 people on staff and, you know, let me tell you how we, you know, rejigged our communic- way we do communication for thousands of people. I just think to myself that that doesn't, I, I, I want to hear the guys in the audience talk here. I want to hear these guys on the front line, get them up there. You know, let those guys talk, man. They'll tell you stuff that happened this week in their church. It was radical. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I think about um, Calvary Chapel, which I've gone to uh, a Calvary Chapel for years, um, really since since my dad's church, which was a, a Baptist church, and you know, Calvary to me was like, wow, man, you can wear jeans. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> Cause you go to Baptist church up where I was and you do not do that. Right. Yeah. And, radical. Yeah. Radical, man. They can wear <laughs> jeans. And even my dad is wearing jeans when he goes to church at Calvary. It's gotta be good. You know? Uh, but I had no idea what the Jesus movement was. Right. I, that was before my time. Uh, I don't think I even knew or heard of the Calvary until maybe college, maybe after college. I don't even know, right, when when I was first exposed to it. So well after the Jesus movement, which was the really radical time for Calvary, when it mm. was uh, church in a tent on the beach, when it was reaching the hippies that looked like hippies. Yeah. Now, as uh, as – you know, Duck Dynasty would say it's yuppie, 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 you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. At least yuppie where church. we are. Yeah. And not yeah. not that that's bad because don't misunderstand me. Yuppies need God too, right? Yeah. But yuppies are definitely going to hell and need to be rescued. Well, it's really hard for a yuppie to get into heaven, you know. Uh, what was the uh, rich man? Because it's, it's, it's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a yuppie to go to heaven. Is that the it. Pete Mitchell paraphrase? That's the Pete Mitchell paraphrase, baby. So, uh, so, so don't misunderstand me about that. But, but yeah, I mean, so, like, because I remember you, you sharing with me. We talked yesterday while you were at this conference, and you're like, you know, it's great hearing from all these guys who did stuff 20, 30 years ago, but what about the guys who are doing it today? And they're not they're not sharing it. And I think part of the problem that comes in is you try to recreate what guys were doing 20, 30 years ago when culture was at a completely different place. Yeah. we There are no hippies anymore. I mean, yeah, I guess there are kind of hippies, especially up in uh, Napa, <laughs> right, or certain parts of California. But even those hippies look totally different than the hippies of the the sixties and early seventies. So, um, 
So I I completely agree, and I understand what you're saying about that. Yeah. And I mean, you want to be cutting edge. You, you, it looks different in today. That's why you know even the idea of an MMA church, like you know, we were talking earlier about uh, Josh Boyd's Fight Church. There's Grappler's Church, and it's like that is very in tune with the segment of the population that a lot of Christians, uh, a lot of older Christians, especially would just be like, that's evil, you know, yeah. cage fighting. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's evil because that's what you hear. I mean, I hear it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it, it's funny because uh, that was the reaction that Chuck Smith got when he pitched at 10 on the beach. And, and what's always just mind-boggling to me is how we'll talk about what Chuck did 40 years ago that revolutionized Christianity in America, according to Ed Stetzer, right? Um, the, the reality is nobody wants to do that today. Everybody wants their comfortable, air-conditioned mega churches. Nobody wants to go to the grotty church that meets at the beach or in the inner city or whatever. So we're in this weird time right now where we're actually, uh, recruiting people as missionaries. And I think I might have even pointed that out last week that my my current campaign is, hey Christian, are you are you bored in church? You know, because we're uh we're 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 quickly seeing that we're gonna need more hands on deck. And we we have no problem attracting uh the lost people in our community. What we're having a problem with is retaining Christians um who uh, don't burn out or don't say, gosh, man, you know, I, I, I long for, gosh, I, that comfortable church was cool. You know, cause churches, it's, it's a lot of work for us right now. You know, we're feeding the community. We're, we're doing stuff. I mean, we got a great team. Don't get me wrong. Our core team rocks, but, uh, we're definitely not going to grow bigger with Christians, but we need more hands on deck right now. Yeah. And, you know, the whole idea of, we need more hands on deck because we do burn through people. I, it's so funny, but it's so relevant in what I see in our in our church because I don't know. I just never thought it was that hard, and I, probably because I never enjoyed church. You know, I've said before on the podcast, I, I've never liked church. Church to me was always incredibly boring. Yeah, um, and that's why. I mean, when my wife and I first got married, and we were trying to find a church for us to go to. We would go around looking at various churches, and my wife has got a great voice. She loves to sing. She loves praise music. I'm on the other end, right? <laughs> I I can't I can't hold a tune to save my life. I caught you singing the other day. No, I was I mouthing did. the words. I guarantee you, no, I was I, saying watermelon, watermelon, watermelon. <laughs> There was an article recently that came out in ChristianLeaders.com. It said, why the men won't sing in your church. And I thought of you. Did you? Yeah. Wow. I was like, I got to send this to Pete. You didn't send it, though. But I caught you singing. You can't deny it. I caught you singing, buddy. I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) I I, I reject that on every level. (laughs) So, But like, I needed at least a pastor who had substance to him. Because, you know, we would go to churches where it would be just fluff, you know. I mean, I I don't want to start pointing out people, but I can imagine certain churches that I know they're not preaching the gospel out of. I'm like, that's that's fluff. I mean, you know, it's all about getting yours and, you know, God wants you to be successful and happy. And 
I mean, yeah, God might want those things for you, but what he really wants is, one, a really deep relationship with you, and two, for you to be so on fire for him that you're willing to be uncomfortable because that isn't what's important to you. Yeah. And Yeah. Um, so. Well, and you know, and and going back to our topic at hand, and and for you guys that have been listening, we have gone off on a tangent, but um, hopefully it's helpful because it does all tie together. I mean, what you're saying right there about a past with substance, I was fortunate enough to have a guy who has more of a missional heart uh, than I do. But but even like when I came off the mission field, even and Bill, that's by like, the way why we went to that church was yeah. because of him, and it had the music that she liked. But he <laughs> he had substance in his messages. He wasn't yeah. just a fluff pastor. Yeah, and he has sent out every single one of his dudes, like bar none. Um, he keeps Alan, who kind of runs run stuff. But uh, but it, it's been amazing to watch him. If you ever want to see a guy who embodies that, hey, I'm going to send my best guys out rather than build my empire. That's been Bill. And but even he, like when I came back, he, you know, when I was coming back, he offered me a job and he said, look, do you want to come and do this? And I said, you know, I'm called to, to plant churches. <clears throat> and he goes, Peyton, I'm not sure, you know, in Southern California that that we need more churches. And of course we did a study. We added up all of the churches in um, Huntington beach, all the memberships. And we know that churches kind of fluff it up. So we're like, okay, you know, they're, they're pumping the numbers up. No problem. That works for us. This actually works better for the statistic if they fatten up the numbers in church. Right. So we're like, okay, so this is the number of people in the population. And this is the number of people that attend evangelical gospel preaching churches in the community. So we said, you know, how many people are we reaching? And and the statistic comes back, it's quite alarming. We using our church as as a model, we said we would need twenty-eight more mega churches the size of Refuge Huntington Beach in order to just start reaching ten percent of the population of Huntington Beach. When you start doing that kind of research, you start realizing that we're not making a dent in the community at all. So church planning, you could have a church plan on every single street corner. And so for me, like I said, I was, I was fortunate. And, you know, Bono once said this, he once, uh, he wrote in a song over the counter with a shotgun. Pretty soon everybody got one. Um, and I, I love those lyrics. I just wanted to say them. But uh, you need your your sinning pastor is kind of like a shotgun, you know. He he's gonna you're the bullet, man. You're 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 the shell. Um, he's gonna propel you. Um, he he ought to be shooting you so that you spread out. Um, you hit all the people he's not hitting. But he has a force of impact when he's able to point and shoot you, man. That's the power of a sending pastor. But kind of like Bono said, you know, over the counter with a shotgun. Not everybody's got a sending pastor. Um, not everybody has a relationship because that's what you actually need. You need a relationship, and you can't just buy that over the counter. You gotta spend time and build that relationship with a man of God who has a heart for Jesus's glory and a passion for kingdom expansion rather than empire building. And, um, you know, there, some, some planners unfortunately feel that they have to just go out onto the field, but in some cases that's a self-inflicted wound. Um, I have counseled many, many church planners who, um, after talking to him, I realized actually this church planner is kind of being a jerk to his pastor. Because what he's doing is he's sitting around going, man, these people aren't reaching anybody. You know, and he starts denigrating the work of a sinning pastor. Um, because he's looking around going, they're not reaching the loss. They're not, they're not out on the front lines. And the reality is, hey, you know, bud, you, 
you're a product of your pastor. Don't denigrate him too much because you've been raised up under his ministry. You are the way you are largely because of him. Um, even if you say, well, I read this book and, you know, that book and I got inspired by Peyton Jones Church Zero. Uh, I, I, you know, the, the reality is there's a reason you picked that book. Something somewhere in what your pastor's been telling you formed you and made you the kind of person that, that, that needed it. It's like what you just said, Pete, you know, like there was something that, that Bill was promoting, you know, propelling, promoting, whatever you want to call it, preaching that kind of, when I came along, you went, you know, Hey, that, that guy's a nut job, but you know, I, I, I think I, I think I need to follow him. If, if only out of morbid curiosity. That's kind of how it started because you were it did. <laughs> you took over for Bill, who was running Refuge Long Beach. He would I don't know how this guy what was it, for like a year and a half he was doing the uh Refuge Long Beach? Yeah. So I mean he has a, a Saturday service at Huntington Beach, three Sunday services, and then Sunday night he'd drive to Long Beach and do the same service again for Long Beach. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a level of work that I mean, and, and he's no spring chicken. I'm not saying he's old, but I mean, he, he's not in his 20s, right? I mean, no. you know, that's a lot of work, but he's he's got such a passion, right, for reaching the lost. And I remember um, you and I had connected on the phone, and you're like, yeah, you know, why don't you come up to Emmanuel was the church that we were meeting in their, their building. I was like, oh, man, a Sunday night. Now I got to go to church again. <laughs> like, that's yeah. the thought going through my head, right? And uh, and I remember distinctly we had a conversation one time and I was like, oh yeah, yeah I, I won't uh, be able to come, you know, this Sunday night. And you're like, oh, I don't want you to feel like you have to come. And and I was like, dude, I I um I wasn't I, don't. I didn't realize I was that connected <laughs> to you already. I was like, you mean, you mean I got to like give you an excuse every time I'm not there on Sunday night? And like, but but. <laughs> I'm serious because because at that time I was like I don't know what this whole thing's about right I, I I don't I don't get it and um but ended up you know I really ended up liking it especially when we moved and we we left uh, Emmanuel Church and um and started going on on Sunday to Bixby Park just because that to me was like once we hit the front lines I was like okay this is kind of cool because you never know what's going to happen you never know who's going to show up literally don't know who's going to show up. Yeah, you know, and and the thing is, is that you know, uh, if if you're not being propelled out by somebody, um, you know, it, it, there's there's something that that people whisper about at pastors' conferences. They say some are sent and some just went. Well, hmm. those guys just went, and and that is that is not a good thing as a church planner to have said about you. There there are extreme exceptions where a guy just has to go. Because no matter what, and unfortunately, a couple times where I broker deals, um, the pastor needs to be rebuked because he's empire building. But, but I would say that, that nine times out of 10, um, when a pastor or when a church planner is looking at a sinning pastor, he's getting it wrong. He's, he's actually being harsh. And, and so part of this is, you know, you're going to need your sinning pastor more than you realize. And so I always try to mend that relationship, even if it's a bit tense. And it usually is. And we'll get into why. But, um, you're going to make a lot of mistakes in your church plant and, and don't let burning your bridge with your senior pastor be the first one you make. Um, you're going to need his wisdom, his support. And there are times you're going to need his encouragement because you can't see it now, 
But the days are coming when you're going to call him with your tail between your legs. And he's going to restore you spiritually, sometimes emotionally, and sometimes kick some ministerial wisdom down to you. And, uh, you know, sometimes he'll be your confessional. Uh, sometimes he'll give you veteran wisdom when you can't see clearly. And sometimes he'll supply vision or he'll just ask you some questions that'll get you thinking because he's been there. He'll bandage up your wounds. And probably the, 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 the most important thing is he will love you no matter what. Um, pastors that have been in the trenches, they see a, a, a worn and weary soldier and they just love him. I mean, that's mm. what my pastor does to me. My sending pastor just, he knows, man, when I've been beat up and I'm dragging my carcass back, you know, in across no man's land and back into the foxhole. Um, but you know, for me, especially as an overseas church planner, um, he gave me both a home to come back to and a homecoming. And that was pretty cool. That, that means a lot. But uh, that said, um, ascending church sometimes can be the biggest factor in killing a church plant with good potential. So uh, the church planter often will be a little bit nervous about, ooh, you know, if I go talk to my pastor, he's going to try to control it. Um, and controlling a church plant sends the church plant off into a very early grave. So sending churches are always there to support and not control. And you've probably heard us say that before, but there's something strange about a sending church that sometimes the the elders, if they're not spiritual, they get kind of things backwards. Like the the church plant is like a feather in their cap in a way. It it, it becomes like if it fails, they failed. If it succeed, then they're successful as a sending church. And that's not gospel work. That's not how the Bible talks about gospel work. The scripture talks about Paul going to places, preaching the gospel, and then it never tells us that a church was planted there because simply they just didn't have the converts. Um, and it wasn't that the Holy Spirit failed. It wasn't that Paul failed. It was just like Jesus talks about the parable of sower. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. And, you know, so, you know, you, you and I talked about this, Pete, that the only failure in church planning and, and sending churches need to understand this. The only failure in church planting is the guy who didn't try, the guy who never attempted anything. And Jesus says that, doesn't he? You know, he talks about the parable of the talents. And the only guy who really is rebuked isn't the guy who like, you know, had the huge dividends or the yields, but the guy who did nothing because right. he was afraid and hit it. Boom. Absolutely. So here's the deal, you know, um, in the early church, you laid hands on a guy, you know, Antioch laid hands on, on Paul and Barnabas, and then they didn't like, you know, uh, control every church that Paul and Barnabas, uh, planted ordaining, you lay hands on a guy and ordain him. That literally means you've released him in the authority. You've recognized that authority and you've prayed that the Holy Spirit will be with him just as he's been with you. Um, it's, it's kind of like when Elijah and Elisha in the Old Testament, you know, he lays hands on him. It's this transference of, Hey, may the Spirit be with you. It's like when, uh, God says to, to Joshua, I will be with you just as I was, uh, with Moses. And then he talks about everywhere your feet go and tread upon that ground will be yours. No one can withstand you to your face. So there's, there's that. I understanding. Remember, I think it was that exponential. Someone was saying, you know, if I think it was exponential, it might have been you. 
but they were saying, you know, uh, yeah, it was me. It was you. <laughs> yeah. Everywhere your feet go, I'll give that to you. I would have been out there running all over the place. <laughs> yeah. What about here, God? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about here? What, what about here? Well, hold on, Lord. I'm going to run all over the place. Right. Boom, 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 boom. That's such a great. Yeah. That's such a great line. Yeah, I made it up. Yeah, I figured so. <laughs> Just joking. Um, but it, it, it's you know it's it's rare that Pete actually listens to me. You guys don't know this, but when I'm talking, like I can see Pete on video. He's like he's actually playing solitaire on this computer. I'm sorry. What were you saying? Something. <laughs> Just teasing. Hey, so so you know the the deal is is that that's what we're looking for. But but you need a relationship with the guy, um, you know, because Paul, even though you know Jerusalem didn't claim uh, you know this controlling authority over the guys that were sent out, and they didn't even know what was going on after everyone went off. Um, Paul goes back to Antioch and keeps reporting back to them. He always had their backing. He wasn't a maverick. He wasn't a lone ranger. He wasn't operating under his own authority. He had been sent. And that's the word for apostolos or church planner is a sent out one. So you can't be a sent out one if nobody sent you. Like that's a little bit suspect. You know, if you can't. So, so let me ask a question here. Um, let's say someone doesn't have a Peyton Jones new breed church planning network to broker the deal, as you like to put it, to approach the pastor and say, all right, you know, here's the conversation that needs to happen. How do they then approach the pastor? Well, with a lot of humility, um, the, the first thing that you do is you, you, you set up a, a, a conversation with him and you, you don't, you don't go into the conversation kind of saying like, Hey, you know, yeah, I've been really frustrated because you know, you are frustrated. Let me just say this. Um, I've, I've been threatening to write this blog for a long time called dudes are frustrated and chicks are scared because when I talk to church planners, I always ask them, so how you fit? This is usually like first interview. I say, so what are you feeling? And they always say, uh, dude, I'm frustrated. I'm really frustrated right now. Uh, and, 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 and I know that's going to be their answer. And then I say, well, where's your wife at? And always the wife is scared. And that's just textbook church planning. But the dude is frustrated for a reason. Why? Because God is going to be propelling him. We talk about sending out. It's kind of like you're going to be like a wrist rocket for Jesus. Jesus has been pulling you back, pulling you back. You think, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of like Anakin Skywalker, you know, with Obi-Wan. He's always holding me back. Well, the reality is God has been pulling you back, like in a wrist rocket, man. He's, he's creating that tension on the rubber band, you know? Um, imagine the Apostle Paul. He's saved. He's told that he is going to be sent out, right, um, to the Gentiles. Jesus tells him that, like, way back at his conversion, right, on, on, the, on the Damascus Road. Well, 12 years later, Barnabas comes and knocks on his door and goes, hey, want to go check out what the Gentiles are doing? You know, there's stuff going on in Antioch. So Paul sits there. He's 32, 33 years old when he's saved, and scholars estimate he's 45. So he's sitting there that whole time. He's frustrated, right? But Hmm. once Jesus lets go of that rubber band, man, Paul gets propelled into Asia Minor, and he doesn't stop. He will not stop. He plants anywhere from 14 to 24 churches in the next 11 years. 
Hmm. That's like fantastic. I mean, basically, it was kind of like, you know, like a bull out of the gate, man. He was like chomping at the bit. And and that frustration is what I call like a holy frustration. It's a pent up frustration. It's this energy that's building up like a pressure cooker that needs to be channeled. You're going to need that. It's like when women get the nesting syndrome before, you know, they, they give birth to a baby. That's what's happening to you. And so that frustration, you got to be careful that you're not going to take it out on your pastor. So you don't go into the meeting and go, uh, hey, listen, um, you compromising, lazy minister. Um, you, you know, this church sucks and I need, you know, you have to go in there and you have to come. I'm not saying you got to kiss his butt, but you need to compliment him. He deserves that. He's invested in you. You're one of his ministers or you're somehow some way on his team. Uh, most likely you're serving in some way. If you're not serving in some way on his team, uh, you actually probably shouldn't be church planning because if you can't serve in your home church, you know what I'm right. saying? Yeah. <laughs> There's another problem there. But, but so in some way, this guy has seen something in you. So you come to him and you say, man, I just want to talk to you. Um, this is hard for me. Um, but I've been listening to what you've said. You've poured so much into me. And over the years, I've really developed here a mission's heart under your ministry. And, and if you've taught me anything, you've taught me to go for it for the gospel. And I just think of all the people that are still in this community and, and, or whatever community it is you're going to go into. And you say, you know, and I really have this burning heart. And, and probably a lot like you did when you first went into ministry. And I, and I just want to talk to you because I'm wondering if, if what God is doing is he's calling me out to this community and then share about the community. Now, your, your pastor's knee jerk reaction. Um, if, if you handle it like that, if you didn't handle it like that and you just come in talking about, man, I just, I need to go do something, you know, I need to go, then he's going to be defensive at this point. He's going to be a little bit um, uh, retroactive. So what he's going to do is he's going to try to get you to back up a bit. Okay, be ready for this. He's going to say, "Well, why why would you need to go somewhere else? I mean, we have needs here. You know, we we have ministries here. I mean, couldn't you do that as an extension of the church?" And and that's a good question. That's something that you need to really kind of weigh through. But what, what I would probably, you know, cause you're not, you're not coming demanding to him like, Hey, um, let my people go, you know, don't look at him as Pharaoh when he does that, you know, more bricks, less straw. Um, it, it's not going to be an easy conversation and he is going to test you, but this is the kind of testing that you need. Um, as a church planner, you should be able to answer that question. If you haven't soul search, I, I can't give you the answer to that because A, I don't know your church. B, I don't know your community. And C, I don't know you. But what I do know is there's an answer. So case in point, um, like the very first church plant that I was a part of, they that have, I was a part they of. They have to honk that horn right outside your door, don't they? Absolutely right outside my door. And, and so, you know, the first church plant I was, I was directly a part of. Um, we were launching out of Lloyd Jones Church, and I was kind of like the evangelistic wing of that church plan. I, I knew that God wasn't calling me to be the pastor. In fact, the guy who ended up the pastor kept saying, are you sure? Are you sure? And I, I kept feeling, no, I'm not the dude. And he was so the dude. But I was definitely the guy that ought to be doing the evangelistic part of it. But when we first brokered that, when we first talked that through, 
with the eldership, it was basically this, look, um, in this community, people will not drive from this part of the town to that. Um, that, although we have people in that community now, they drive here because they're Christians, but the non-Christians will not do that. It's very much a community. And so, and it's, it's kind of like a, 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 a pocket community. And we really want to reach this community. They have a different way of thinking. It was, it was in well. It's very much, by the way, the way Orange County is. I mean, we always refer to Orange County as the Orange Curtain. Yeah. When you're in Long Beach, you're not going to Orange County unless you have to, even though it's literally, you know, the next city over. I mean, that's, that's a oh. whole other county. Once you cross that county line, it is a different animal altogether. But, um, but you know, that, that's kind of the deal is, you know, we were able to communicate, um, look, this is a pocket community. You got your blue collar, uh, industrial workers in the, in the city part, but this is like a suburb and these people that live there are more educated, boom, boom, boom. And we want to go reach them. Uh, and, and that was an amazing church plant. I mean, God just. God just blew the doors off that place. I mean, they're right now one of the most successful churches in Wales. Um, other churches are looking to them. They're known as Baglin Community Church. And I write about them in Church Zero. Um, and that was where I first started kind of learning like about fist leadership with the, you know, the apostle, the prophet, even that was where God first started kind of teasing me out. But we had to have a clear vision and burden and the eldership saw that and they actually recognized a need, but we had to kind of spell that out. So you're going to need to answer. That's going to be his question. Why not here? And you're going to have to have a good. So for example, like the door. I was so thinking about that because we had Dave Thompson. Is it Thompson or Tom? Yeah, Thompson. Yeah. Thompson on um, one of the first episodes of the podcast. And you still had to have that talk with his pastor, even though his pastor is the one who said to him, I think you're supposed to plan a church. Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Because, well, the reason why is like, you know, Glenn uh, from uh, the church up there in in Sun River. I mean, he's a great guy, but he's a shepherd. He has to, you have to understand if you believe in fist leadership, those five roles in Ephesians four, you have to understand that, that the guy who is at the helm of your church, your sending church, he's a stayer. You're a goer. So he's looking after the, it's not that he doesn't have a gospel heart. This guy's probably sacrificed tons for the gospel. He's put up with more crap than you probably ever would. Right. <laughs> if you're apostolic and you're a goer, trust me, you're not wired like him. You probably couldn't bear the burdens he bears. So don't judge him harshly. He is naturally wired to think about the health of that body. So he's going to default there. And, but, but you'll be able to win through. If he's not an empire builder, if he's a kingdom expander, then you will be able to break through and actually show him the need and he'll see it. And yeah, David Thompson was, was clearly an example of that. He was like, look, you know, this is a, a, a very privileged community that this church is in. And, uh, these are retirees and people with money and uh, people who can afford to live in Sun River. I want to go after the other half, man. I want to go after the people on the other side of the tracks. The church stinking exploded. Um, and it exploded with the kind of people like we're reaching in Long Beach. Um, because that, that there was just nothing there. And so, and, and you have to understand too, um, you, you know, you go to him with humility and you talk with him and you ask him, can we pray about it? And just be ready for anything, but be humble. 
and ask him to pray with you about it. Just keep talking to him out of respect and say, will you pray with me about this? Will you pray with for this community with me? Because I think the Lord will speak to us. I know he's been speaking. I think he's going to speak to your heart too. And, and, and you know, you, you, you partner with him. And so what I'm saying is with hat in hand and, and the humblest three-piece suit of hum, humility you can cover yourself with, you're going to need uh, to put yourself in his shoes. Because, you know, as a result of you going, he knows he's going to lose some of his best people because the best people go to plant churches in some way. Well, I, I say that. However, sometimes you end up getting David's mighty men. Sometimes some of his rejects will go with you and they will end up becoming your mighty men. That's who the mighty men were. They were other people's rejects. But here's the deal. Let's say you're sitting there and you're in, you know, it's like, you know, George Bailey and Mr. Potter, right? You're sitting, he's got the big desk. You're sitting in the little sunken chair in front of him. And, uh, he, he, if, if he pulls out a shotgun, you're asking him to be your shotgun. But if he pulls a shotgun out on you and, it, you know, it just blasts you, I mean, just blows your head off, um, for even suggesting this, you just need to stay cool. And you try, you need to try to understand his reaction. Okay. He may be less than gracious in the first meeting, but you need to keep in mind that one day, if you plant a church, someone's going to do that to you. Someone's going to come knock on your door and they may not be as cool as you were, right? And he may have had other people leave in his church. He might have, uh, he might have just gone through something horrible. He might have had a horrible day with his wife. He might, uh, you might have caught him off guard. He may be going through a church split, dealing with vicious infighting, suffering personal attacks. He might himself be under personal attack, and he could be leaking people he values, people just like you. Hmm. And your request could be the straw that breaks a camel's back because maybe that's the thing he's feared the most is losing you. And so I have a lot of compassion on pastors when I'm dealing with them just because you know I've been one for years. but. I, I believe that almost all of them will come around. Don't take no as a final no. It is a difficult transition both for you and for him. So commit to pray for him, okay? Commit to listening to him humbly and commit to letting him know that as a result of his faithfulness and his ministry, that his people want to step out in a venture of faith. And that's a part of him. That's an extension of him and his ministry. You need to be able to communicate that, if that makes sense. It does. It does. And I think, um, you know, as, as I hear that, I, I can see I can see how this is a conversation that people don't want to have, but it, it needs to be had. And, uh, and, and I can also see how, like, you know, I remember talking with Jimbo, right? One of our guys who's been uh, training up to uh, be a church planner. And he mentioned that, you know, he, he'd been feeling this call. He was I, he was working at another church, wasn't he? He was on staff yeah. at another yeah, church? Yeah, he had been, but but he had finished there. He Again, the same kind of thing. He was frustrated. But, yeah, and he, you know, felt like he was supposed to, to go plant a church, and he would share that with other uh, people on staff there. And they would be kind of like, why in the world did you go start another church? I mean, you know, there's already plenty of churches out there. Yeah. So I can see how it's a conversation that has to be had and how there's a there's a lot of moving parts to it. Big time, dude. And so like when you when you broke when I broker the deal, one of the things that I always say is I always turn to the church planner and say, Now you're gonna want to take all of his cool people with you. No. 
not going to happen. Because the church planner immediately goes, I'll take this guy and that guy. And he starts lining up like his dream team, like he's playing fantasy football or something, right? And and he's picking all of the guys that are like him, that the pastor's invested in, you know? And so, like, with one of the, the churches I brokered, um, basically, you know, when I talked to the pastor, I, I, I presented this problem. Because you got to understand it from both sides. Um, the, the pastor, when he agrees to send a guy out— he doesn't want to be the jerk who goes, hey, man, you can't take all my cool people. He's feeling it, but it just sounds wrong to say. And right. so, you know, I can be that guy, that third party that comes in and goes, all right, um, here's the deal, man. You can't take all of us cool people. And I've, I've already talked to the pastor. So when I talked to this one pastor, he's like, well, what, what this guy doesn't realize is we want to send out like three other dudes to plant churches. I mean, we're not ready to do that now, but... Gosh, I've spent two, three years investing in these other guys he wants to take. And he, it, you know, it, it wasn't just like, you know, one bullet, man. We wanted to fire multiple bullets at the enemy. And so once I talked to the church, it's like the church planner gets that. Suddenly he's like, Oh, okay. Like it's not like, Oh, my pastor's an empire builder. It was okay. He's a kingdom expander, but like I'm not the only church planner or his only plan to expand the kingdom. You know, you can, you can get a bit narcissistic and, and self-focused. So, um, so that was cool. The other thing is, is I work out with the pastor, how many guys I go, look, this is me and you now. Um, it's funny because you and I have been talking about breaking bad, right? <laughs> the the TV I, show. They know they're church planners. They've been watching this because they're culturally relevant, Pete. <laughs> And uh, so anyways, the, the funny thing is, is I didn't actually watch his show. Like I drugs pissed me off so bad that when when I first saw the show, I'm like, oh, man, if you're going to glorify drugs, like I've just lost way too many people to, to drugs and, and alcohol. Like, uh, you know, so so and now, I, how I do you really, feel about Breaking Bad? How, how do you feel about Breaking Bad today? I love it. No, I'm teasing, but, but, you know, but seriously, like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of ashamed because I stayed away for it from it. You know, just like, hey, you know, and I had my reasons. And I'm not saying everyone should, you know, you're a bad church plan if you don't watch it. But right now, uh, uh, unfortunately for Pete, who like watched it back when it came out, I'm now getting the dose after, after everyone goes, best final episode ever. I'm now watching it. So everything that I'm saying to Pete, because you guys know I talk in illustrations, um, <laughs> everything I say to Pete isn't, you know, we're talking off uh, off the air. It's always like, you know, everything's breaking bad. So I all have my to share with them, though, the greatest <laughs> line I ever heard from you. You watched the very first episode of Breaking Bad the day that the series finale aired. Yeah. And your line was... Gosh, you know, as a church planner who's always broke, my first thought is, I wonder how hard it would be to make meth. <laughs> <laughs> Another reason why Peyton should not have been watching Breaking Bad. Well, no, but what was funny to me is I started laughing because I go, well, you remember that video you sent me of the church plant that's going on in like, I don't know if it was North Dakota, or, you know, it's that uh, oil area. And they're talking about um, how these strippers there are making an average of 500 to 1000 bucks a night and I go my first thought was I can shake my butt for for 500 to 1000 bucks a night I just thought it's it was not funny. the same Pete it's not oh, the same I'm sorry drugs are better okay yes but you know it, it's funny because uh I keep telling Pete I'm like Pete you're Walter White and I'm Jesse Pinkman man <laughs> so. I'm Heisenberg I like that Absolutely, Heisenberg. I, that's what I actually call you sometimes now when I when I phone up. So you guys don't give a rip about this, but I do have this to say, Michael Cheshire, because we hadn't done that yet. 
Of course. So going back to the conversation, like, so we're talking about, you know, I'm able to say to the pastor, like, dude, how many people are, you know, can he take? And so we talk about, and then, and then we got it. So we go to the church planner and we say, look, um, which, you know, he says you can take three, four couples, right? Um, the rest you got to recruit the rest, this and that, um, and, and, and that's important. In one sense, you're like, what do you mean you tell him he can take, you know, boom, boom, boom. Well, the thing is, is if, let's say, uh, if the church is going through problems and the church planner stands up and goes, hey, everybody, I'm going to do something cool, new and flashy and exciting. It's going to be the best thing since the world, since the, the, the Acts chapter 28 finish, boom, boom, boom. Everyone's going to be like, dude, let's go over there. So what, what you want to do is you want it to be a partnership. And you want it to be people that are sent out. You don't want to create, you know, a, a hemorrhage where every everybody just starts leaking out of the church, right? You don't want to destroy one guy's work for the sake of another. So, so what what uh, we do is we we have the guy come back and say these are the people, and they just bargain. The guy might say, well, you know what, I, I like for me, right? I unfortunately, as the pastor, I know things about people, so I might know that this couple right now. Um, you know, they're just going through an adulterous, uh, kind of, you know, affair that they're, they're, they're working through and their marriage is hanging by thread. And they've always been the super cool, awesome, radical couple, but nobody else knows what I know. And I can't really tell you because, you know, that's like a, so, so in one sense, you need the pastor to be able to say, well, hey, you know, actually, I, I you know, I, I need you to trust me on this. Not right now. Not them, please. Yeah. And I think there's probably also um, people who the pastor can say, you know, hey, you can take these people and you're looking at them going, that's not really the demographic I want to reach. Maybe I shouldn't be taking them because I'm just thinking back to uh, Rick Warren, our talk with him. And when he was starting Saddleback, you remember the story he shared about um, there was another local church said, yeah, we want to financially support you. And by the way, we want you to take these people. Cause we'd like them to, to church plant with you. And he said, no, thank you. And he goes, the church will look like your church. Cause it'll be yeah. those same people. And that's not what this church is going to be. Absolutely. So oh, yeah, I think and we're not talking about a, that, you know, uh, you know, yeah, you're saying I can take these people, but you know what? I don't think they're going to be right for this church. Yeah. And, and that's not how we do it. We actually, we ask the church planner to, say the people he wants to take. And then mm. the pastor is able to say, yeah, I can deal with that. And I've always seen pastors be very and you've generous. always told everyone that Pete Mitchell is up for grabs. You can take him. <laughs> Please. He does not need to stay here at this church. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you 10 more people if you take Pete. I remember no, but, uh, we went to a conference and we're talking with a guy and we found out his church plant is like, I don't know, two blocks from my house. And you go, and he goes, yeah, I got a couple people come from Long Beach. You go, I'll trade Pete for them. <laughs> Well, and, and you so were trying to get some, rid of me, man. Come on. It hurt. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. You weren't supposed to hear that, but you know, some people right now are wigging out. I know they're going, dude, seriously, like this sounds weird because you can't say who look church planning is not for everybody. Paul did not go through Asia minor on a second missionary journey. When he was recruiting people like Timothy, he didn't take everyone with him. Look, he had had John Mark quit the field, man, and leave him high and dry. You don't take just anybody church planning. I'm being honest with you because it is tough and it is hard. There are people you take 
who are very unlikely candidates. So don't get me wrong, but you, you don't just want people for the sake of having people. That's what Rick was saying. That's what Pete's saying is definitely what I'm saying. Um, you, you want to take the right people with you. Um, having people that shouldn't be there, um, can actually hurt your work. You don't just want bodies and you need to prayerfully move through this and ask the Lord. There are people I thought, oh man, this guy would be awesome. I remember this one guy, he was like a DJ. I think you just said a key line though, that I got to go back to. Sure. You don't just want bodies because that's exactly what we're thinking we do want. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm doing a church plan. I need, you know, five people. I need ten. I need fifteen. I need twenty. Whatever. We're we're thinking we need bodies, and what you just said is so profound. What you absolutely don't want is a warm body for the sake of it being a warm body. Absolutely. You know what's cool is like when I'm sitting at a pastor's conference like yesterday and I'm sitting at a table and people ask me about my church after I've sat all day and heard people talking about how their church grew, you know, by this many hundred and this many months or whatever. They don't get that they're, you know, they sit there and go, wow, you know, but, and it makes them think most people aren't there. But when, when I talk about what we're actually seeing, the miraculous conversions, the, the people that come in, the addicts, the lesbians, um, that's when the guys who just spoke <laughs> turned to me at the table and were like, really? So like, what are you guys doing? Like that, that's the stuff that, that you cannot manufacture. You cannot follow a formula for. That's when the spirit has to be in it. And so what I'm saying is, you know, your end result from, from the start way, way back to, you know, all the way to the end, like Paul said, having begun in the spirit, do you now end in the flesh? Um, we want to begin in the spirit. We want God to be leading and, and we're going to talk about core team more. We're actually going to talk right now. We're not talking about who's going with me. That will come and we'll have a whole nother conversation. We're, we're, we're kind of skipping across the border and getting into it because there is overlap. But what we're really talking about is who's sending me. Look, there's a couple things that your sending pastor is going to do in closing because we need to finish here. But, uh, you, you are asking permission to fish your support base from out of his pond. You are going to need some money and your sending church has the money, resources and power that you need, manpower. Okay. Um, let, let's talk about money for a second. I love how, uh, you know, Michael Cheshire, ching, see, I would have said it right then. Um, he talks about how church planning and poverty go hand in hand, right? First off, you're probably not budget priority number one for your sending church and they may only give you a few hundred dollars a month. Uh, you know, cause they'll throw it at you as like a missionary. Um, but those few hundred dollars, literally when, when your back's up against the wall, that can literally those couple hundred bucks that you get from your sending church might be more, might be a thousand, might be two. Um, but the, if it's only a few hundred bucks, even that can make the difference between success or failure, keeping mm-hmm. you afloat might just pay the rent that month. Um, also they have resources because you don't have a lot of money resources that are premium. So your church's old sound system is probably sitting in a storage closet collecting dust somewhere. Um, while the church planner is going, oh man, he's looking at the catalog going, I don't know how I can raise enough money for a sound system or an overhead projector or whatever. Hey, I tell church planners, don't raise funds, raid the storage closet of your sending church. And if well, they're in support... That, yeah. And I mean, you take a look at our current Long Beach church. Uh, we literally, I mean, we use them for everything. I mean, yep. we run our finances through them. Yep. We use their accounting people to take care of all of our finances. Yep. yep. 
So, I mean, yeah, we, I'm sure they've got their hand in the till, but you know, I'm just oh, yeah, I, I'm convinced that they're skipping off to Mexico with our funds. So you mean it's Allo? What do you mean it's Allo? But <laughs> <laughs> it's Long Beach. Come on. <laughs> but but the deal is, is that you know, yeah, literally, we operate under their insurance. We use their 501c3. That's stuff we haven't even had to waste time. Obviously, we work on this stuff outside of it. You know, bank account, all that. We're setting all that up. But we have had the um, benefit of being able to operate under all of their uh, stuff. We do share the same name. So it's just refuge, um, you know, and, and that's great. They actually, the, the elders recently were like, Hey, uh, you know, they've been bugging me for a while. Can you, can guys you get your us. own? <laughs> you guys yeah, can us. you guys get your own, please? <laughs> and, uh, and, and so we said, yeah, that's cool. You know, it's been about two years. And being the cheeky monkey that I am, I, you know, I said, Hey man, how about a parting gift? <laughs> how, about how about two you, grand? Right. To pay for it all. Yeah. Absolutely. Cause you know, state of California costs, you know, something like 800 bucks to, to fill that out and a thousand bucks for the, for the nonprofit lawyer. If you have that money to do that, 501c3, we'll hit that on another day, but walk you through all that. But you definitely want someone else doing that. So your sending church is able to do this. And then, you know, it's kind of like uh, projector screens, you know, LCD offering boxes, coffee machines. They have that crap all sitting around. Trust me. And it will save you thousands of dollars right off the bat in startup costs. And so when you walk in that storage closet, you just say, hey, the master has need of this donkey right here. Right. If they ain't going to ride him, you're going to ride him. You know what I'm saying? So, and lastly, your sending church is going to be packed with people who are bored of being an audience. Okay. So it is a target rich environment for core team builders. You're looking for unused gifts, undeveloped potential and congregants with that kind of half crazed gleam in their eye, you know, that, you know, your eyes meet across a crowded room. So if your pastor trusts you and he believes in you, he's going to throw you in front of them to announce your, your, your crazy exodus in hopes that you'll take the weird ones from him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, hey, you know, that that's, I mean, that's just about your sending pastor. Guys, start now. Start now. Start meeting with him. Um, start talking. Build relationship with him. Because trust me, most guys say when they come back and have broken their deal, they're like, man, thanks so much. That would have been such a mistake. I, he calls me every week and sees how I'm doing. Or he constantly, you know, he asks me how I'm doing financially. And they just sent me an extra thousand bucks because they knew how I was doing that we were struggling a bit. And um, boom, boom, boom. So I'm telling you, if, and I have seen guys, I didn't think they were going to make it right? As a sending pastor and a church planner who just have a beautiful relationship now. So I want to just really foster that as much as I can. Yes, there is the exception of the guy who will not send you out, but that is rare, rare, rare. Please do not assume that's it because you haven't spent the time to ensure your pastor will send you out. I dig it, man. I dig it. Well, you know, in closing, let me just uh, leave everyone a couple of quick announcements. I know we're a little bit over our time here, but um, uh, again, just a reminder, uh, centralized conference coming up in January in Costa Mesa, and it's spelled S-E-N-T as in sending out centralized conference, and uh, we're going to be at that. And um, also, on a, on a side note, if anybody listening to the podcast happens to have an old motorhome that they'd like to get a tax deduction <laughs> for... We have use for one, and not to make meth like Breaking no. Bad. 
No. Winnebago. Winnebago. <laughs> yeah. But we actually do need a motorhome. So anybody's got one that wants a tax deduction, we have use. So um, that's that's my closing comments. I, I can't wait till you're able to tell them the use for that. And our advertising schemes we came up with. That's not for today, but... <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if anyone would ever listen to us again once we tell them. But anyways, hey, this has been Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones on the Church Planner Podcast, reminding you that if you want to reach the ones that nobody's reaching, you need to go where no one's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com.